Welcome to Help From Future Self. Howdy, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help From Future Self. It's the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, also known as Alex. I am your Keyforge friend, and I am joined by two of my best Keyforge friends. We've got the Wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, y'all. And SC Steel. Hey. This is the rare episode of Help from Future Self where Boulevard Blake is not here. In fact, this might be the first one where Boulevard Blake is not here. You know what they say, when the cat is away, the mice will play. And in this case, we're going to be playing some Keyforge. But actually, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about some favorite cards, just classic episode concept. But uh, we decided that what we wanted to do was to pick individual favorite creature, favorite artifact, favorite upgrade, and favorite action but each from a set. So the idea is that I may talk about a favorite creature from Coda, for example, which I will be. Uh, three guesses on what that might be. <laughs> um, but that we might do this top again in future and pick a favorite creature or artifact or upgrade or uh, action from a different set. So the idea is to kind of have an evergreen format that we can kind of experiment with and play around with as time goes by. And I find these are oftentimes my favorite episodes just because they're very straightforward. And also I like the idea of just us talking about favorite cards with one another. So I'm very excited to hear you guys talk about some of your favorites. You guys ready to get things kicked off? You bet. Absolutely. All right. Let's get things started. Rick, why don't you favor us with talking about one of your favorite creatures from a particular set? Well, like you, Alex, um, surprise, surprise on this one, but it's Time Traveler. I could not have foreseen that. I don't have I don't have the foresight that that being a time traveler would afford me. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Logos creature to a two power. Ember Pip, play, draw two cards. Action and shuffle Time Traveler into your deck. This is one of the first big cards that I got in the game, and I ended up getting a lot of them so far in my career, and I love this card. It just it helps to cycle your deck and go fast, and I've got, I've got a couple decks that it's got a lot of pips in the deck, so... Helping go through that goes faster, and you win faster, and that's how I like to play. Indeed. You really hit the nail on the head, Rick, because it's just it's not only just like the, the fact that it has that, that deck cycling built into it. It's the fact that it's so easy to recur between it and Help From Future Self, the card, plus the Amber Pip. Like, it's such a strong card on its own in that way where you're just like, and it really does set up, like, I think one of the, the central things that uh, I know I'll be talking about a little bit today, which is that uh, deck manipulation is one of the things that has made Logos so dominant over the course of the last couple of years. Absolutely. And Help from Future Self has the Amber Pip too. So the other card you're guaranteed to have in your deck also has an Amber Pip. Mm -hmm. Very true. I wonder if they'll bring it back in future because it was a staple right up until uh, Worlds Collide. I hope, I hope, I hope they do. All right, Sydney, tell us a little bit about a favorite creature from a specific set. Absolutely. So I love the fun the the fun card Merkins. It's a shadows card from AOA and it's two power. And upon play, 
Choose a random card in your opponent's archives or the top of your opponent's deck. Play that card as if it were yours. So I love the randomness of it. I also love the fact that if you want to mess with your opponent's archives, you can do that as well. The versatility is there, but it's also a play effect. So its usefulness is guaranteed. I really, really like the fact that Merkins has a lot coming for it, even though it's only a two power creature. Once it's on the board, they really your opponent doesn't care about it as much. So you might get a couple of reaps out of it as well. Exactly. So it's got that, that play powers are so good. And that's one of like the best ones just because it is like, it's not only like benefiting you, it's disadvantaging your opponent. Like it's almost like a card steal. Exactly. Oftentimes because they're, because it's so often not seen, I actually forgot about it. So every time I see it nowadays, I'm like, Oh yeah, that exists. (laughs) It's also one of those ones that there's just no way to plan around it. Like, what what can you do other than, like, prevent your opponent from playing, you know, creatures? Um, and there's no point in, in planning for that with Merkins. But the number of times I've had someone play a Merkins and it completely boning me by having it play, like, my Amber Control or something, like, off the top of my deck is, is not inconsiderable. Especially if they are, if your opponent is stashing things away in their archives or their archives matter for something like Eddie. Just either way, be, being able to pick is so versatile. Indeed. Speaking to one of my absolute favorite cards in the entire game, but specifically my favorite creature from the original set, Call of the Archons, this is not a surprise. It's Fuzzy Gruen. If you're not familiar with Fuzzy Gruen, where have you been? What game have you been (laughs) playing? Fuzzy Gruen is a five power untamed creature. He has two amber pips and he has the play effect. Your opponent gains one. There's two reasons that I love this card. One of them is specifically related to gameplay and one of them is specifically related to just flavor. Um, From a gameplay standpoint, I love the fact that Fuzzy Gruen was one of the very first expressions of... I have to think about whether or not I want to play this card. It's not all upside. Those two Amber Pips are awesome. But also, if my opponent's in a position where they have five Amber and I'm putting down this card and possibly putting them in a position to forge, if it's third key, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to play this unless I have some other way to mitigate that uh, that that key cost or otherwise get an Amber off of them. But I might just even earlier in the game choose not to play it because I don't want them to be in a position to forge as their turn starts. So although it's like a very minor small thing, that's like a lesson from very early in Keyforge that I really took with me, which is that I really appreciate cards that create decision points or things to watch out for. It's not just I'm going to play this hot card and like be advantaged by it. I have to think about what playing this card means for me and for my opponent. And that's a thing that philosophically I think has been very important in my Keyforge journey. The other aspect of Fuzzy Gruen that I love dearly is the artwork. Um, the original card was drawn by Adam Vihige. Um, it is a creature who does not look like a five power creature. I'm going to be honest. Here. <laughs> I mean, five power, if we think about it, that's like a ganger chieftain, right? So clearly this, this cute eight legged, um, you know, sort of, octopus fuzzy octopus like a fuzzy gruen like a crazy a gruen peloso as they say in italy is is you know either very small and very tough or much larger than the art would have it appear but anyway you slice it super cute i have the fuzzy gruen plush it is my favorite card i collect the other cards that fuzzy gruen has appeared on i think he's just an iconic keyforge character and i love seeing him uh whenever he pops up again uh with the exception of the recent evil twin fuzzy gruen card that gave me nightmares for a week <laughs> 
To be fair, you're right. We don't know how far the tentacles go underneath the water in the artwork. So it could be miles and miles long of roots under the water and just, you know, hiding behind the cute eyes. All right, Rick. Let's talk about a favorite artifact of yours from a specific set. One of my newly favorite artifacts is from Dark Tidings. It's also from Logos. Um, it's Rooftop Laboratory. I've got one or two decks with it, but the very first deck I got with it, I think, and I will correct if I'm wrong, but I believe every creature I have is a scientist, and Rooftop Laboratory reads, each friendly scientist creature enters play ready. And the efficiency and just the playabilities, it's just oh so good. I love it. It's great because it's it's kind of one-sided, so it's almost guaranteed to help you more. Because if it's in your deck, you have Logos, which means you likely have scientist creatures. That also pairs up with some other cards, does it not? Like there's a key cheat you can do if you have that and two others. I don't have any decks that have it, so I haven't looked too deeply into it. Yeah, it it's a four-card combo, and I've got one one deck with it. And I actually... I believe I mentioned it before. I was playing a game against Frank, who's one of our local buddies in our Discord, and the the only way that I could have won the game is to pull off this combo, and I pulled it off. Does that happen often? No, not very. I've only pulled it off twice. The only other time that I pulled it off was turn three of a game, so it did absolutely nothing. A hundred percent better than the chance of pulling off Key of Darkness. Still, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Sydney, tell us about a favorite artifact. So we are uh, two for two on Logos artifacts. My uh, my favorite, my absolute favorite is the Howling Pit. Um, and it has an amber pip and reads, each player refills their hand to one additional card during their draw card step. And uh, one of the reasons I like this, and not even necessarily because it, it helps both sides, but it, it speeds up the game. So basically, it just it's like playing a Keyforge game on crack. Everybody is just drawing one card more. Every turn is going a little bit faster. Things are ramping up quicker. I just I love draw, and I think that this just epitomizes the the increase in draw, helping both you and your opponent. Yeah, no, it's 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 one of those just the the thing that I find about those kind of like symmetrical effect artifacts that just advantage both players is that unless your opponent has had a lot of experience with it, they don't necessarily gain the same tempo advantage because they don't know how to play to it. Like obviously just getting to draw an extra card every turn is really excellent, but the person who's played that deck and understands how that deck operates under the effects of howling pit has an advantage. It might be a very small or even intangible advantage, but it's there. Totally. I'm going to have to make this one free for three when we're talking about Logos artifacts. Um, I'm, of course, on record as being a huge Quixelstone fan. I love playing Quixelstone, but I thought it'd be kind of boring for me to rehash that. So I decided, why don't we talk about a set that actually doesn't have super great artifacts? Let's talk a little bit about AOA and my favorite AOA artifact, the Memory Chip. Memory Chip is an artifact in Logos, as we said, that has the effect of after you choose Logos as your active house, archive a card. 
nothing crazy special about that except for the fact that kind of like Howling Pit, it's just that little tiny bit of card advantage turn over turn that you call Logos. Having two or three memory chips uh, in a, a set or in a deck rather can actually be super advantageous because then every time you're calling uh, Logos, you're able to, to, to stack that and stash a couple of cards and churn through your deck a little bit quicker. But even in one, I find that over the course of a game, maybe I only call, you know, Logos five you know, times over the course of a single game, that's still five cards that I'm going to get to archive and five cards that I'm going to get through faster, which is almost an entire hand. Like, that's a non-zero amount of advantage that you can create from this very innocuous and nobody bothers to blow out with artifact control artifact. And that's one of the things I really like about it. It's a subtle advantage. One of the best things about Memory Chip, in my opinion, is there are a handful of other cards um, that when you call Logos, you get benefits. So just imagine having a Memory Chip and a Redacted Artifact out, and then you're, you're calling Logos and you're both getting credit towards a key as well as getting to archive cards. So it, it combos really well that way. I didn't think about that, but yeah, that would, that would be beautiful. Rick, let's talk upgrades. What do you got for us? The upgrade I have is from Worlds Collide. Gotta love them dinos. <laughs> the Calipigian Ideal. Play, exalt this creature. This creature gains. You may spend ember on this creature as if it were in your pool. I just, I love being able to, with the amount of capture and whatnot that was in the Worlds Collide, I just love being able to use anything that's on my creatures and be like, oh, I don't quite have enough in my pool, but I do, because it's all on my creatures. And forging a heat. One of the things that I think, first of all, Rick, congratulations for actually pronouncing that correctly. I don't think I have <laughs> ever pronounced that card's name correctly ever in my entire life. I have to say it slowly so that I can do it correctly. <laughs> But a uh, uh, much, uh, much better job than I would do. Um, I think one of the things that I think is most interesting about a Calypgian ideal is oftentimes people won't put it on the creature until the creature already has amber on it. And I always find that fascinating because that creates an urgency to take that creature off the board in your opponent. Mm -hmm. Like if you put that on a creature, I might target it just to make sure that you don't do any like capture some amber and spend it you know, before I have a chance to stop you or before you have a chance to protect that creature otherwise with a ward or a taunt or something. But I love the idea of holding back this this card and putting it on a creature just that creating that game state where an opponent has to deal with it or you're going to forge with captured amber. That's a, it's a, it's a very, like as much as I like I'm on record as being a person who complained a lot about cards like this comboing in, in Worlds Collide, it does create like a tense game state that I think is interesting. Pairing it with Imperial Scudam is also pretty great because if they destroy the creature, then you can just get it off the board, period. Like the amber just disappears. And being able to have those two together on the same creature makes that creature an absolutely have to remove. Absolutely, yeah. I agree there. Sydney, tell me about an upgrade. All right. So you actually inspired me, Rick, because my my favorite upgrade has almost the exact same wording with a, a fun twist. So mine is Mole, which is from Mass Mutation, and it has an amber pip and says, 
This creature gains. Your opponent may spend amber on this creature as if it were in their pool. And the first time I ever saw this art of this um, upgrade, I absolutely became attached to it because of how powerful, incredibly powerful dinosaurs were in Worlds Collide. So having come out the set after Worlds Collide, knowing how incredibly powerful dinosaurs were and with Sanctum coming back with all of its capture, it just was it was a perfect counter to all of that. And it's just so fun to slip onto an opponent's dinosaur when it has like four or five amber on it. But even better, just having it in your deck means that your opponent is scared to actually scale that amber up on their creatures because it's something that you can pop out at any time. Yeah, it is a really cool one with fun art too. I like the little mole shadows creature on it. Having mole and the Calibagean ideal in your deck, having shadows and Saurian together. Oh, oh, that's a fun deck. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about a upgrade from Star Alliance that originally appeared, of course, in Worlds Collide, but has since reappeared in Mass Mutation and Dark Tidings. Um, the absolute kings of upgrades, I don't think any of us would argue, is Worlds Collide uh, Star Alliance, their original set where they first appeared. And man, oh man, did they have a lot of pretty great upgrades. This is one of my favorites, the Encounter Suit. Um, after an action is played, but before resolving its play effect, ward this creature. Um, the thing that I love about this is I think there's a really nice balance to how powerful Encounter Suit is. Obviously, it's great for preventing creatures getting taken out by board wipes because the moment somebody plays the action, the ward gets put on them. Then, so, so if somebody's using like a gateway to disc or something like that, Encounter Suit will protect the creature. Um, but the thing that I find fascinating about it is that it doesn't make a creature invulnerable like Ghost Form. Ghost Form basically says this creature stays on the board literally forever. Um, unless somebody can somehow like bounce them uh, uh, and get the ghost form off of them. Encounter suit says it's just going to be that much harder to take this creature off the board and it forces your opponents to deal with it. And kind of like with sort of other cards that we've talked about today, I like things that force interesting things to happen or force like your opponent to behave in a certain way. It's not the same as directly disrupting or controlling your opponent with like a thing that forces them to choose a certain house, but it is something that makes them weigh things out in terms of, can I afford to let that creature live or do I have to dedicate significant resources on a specific turn to getting it off the table? Or do I have to dig for a solution in my deck? I like cards that create those states because they're not always evident. And you can always tell people who haven't played against a specific card like Encounter Suit because they aren't treating it seriously. And a person who has Encounter Suit in their deck and knows what the best pairing creature in their deck with it can really take advantage in those scenarios. Yeah, I really like this card because it's one of those cards that's really good anytime it comes up. So early game, you're keeping a, a creature on the board a lot longer, but end game, you can also protect a creature that you want out there to win you the game. So this, this card is so powerful anytime it hits the board. All right. We've talked about creatures. We've talked about artifacts. We've talked about upgrades. You know what has to come next. Some of the most powerful cards in Keyforge are actions, but we don't specifically select our favorites based on what is most powerful. I think oftentimes we pick the ones that are our favorites based on our specific play style or things that just tickle us in a certain way. Rick, why don't you tell us about a favorite action? I think 
this might actually be my favorite action of this set, and it is Dark Tidings, Unfathomable, Brain Drain. Play, look at your opponent's hand, choose a card from it, and put it on top of the deck. That slows them down so much, I just, I am, I continue on with my game. Especially, I love doing this either first turn or right before I'm about to forge a key. This is also such a good card because it's actually the first common card that we've picked between all of us. So the fact that it's a common card and that it, it's more common to come up in, in decks makes it that much more incredibly powerful because with an Amber Pip, it's just a, it's a game winning card. I really dig that one because I liked like the, like it doesn't seem like hot shakes when you first sort of like talk about it. But then like the thing of not only am I depriving you of a card from your hand, I'm making you have to draw that as a card on your next turn. Like that's a, mm, that's delicious. I love it. Yes. I, I agree so much, Alex. Yeah. It's just like that little extra little, like, you know, twist of the knife when you play it that I, that I really dig. Sydney, tell us about a favorite action. All right, so this one is actually one of my favorites because of its versatility. But uh, my fave action card from Worlds Collide is Six Semper Tyrannosaurus. And there's so many reasons for this. And first and foremost, for me, I have a lot of decks with uh, Tribute in there. And Six Semper reads, move each amber from the most powerful creature to your pool and destroy that creature. So there is so many, there's so many ways you can use this from actually getting enough amber to forge a key, to destroying certain creatures, but also to, to combo with something like Tribute, where you're capturing your opponent's amber, putting it on your own creature, and then possibly destroying that creature to take all of that amber. But the, the piece de resistance for me is the flavor text on this card. The et tu brutadon is actually, it's, it makes me giggle every time I see it. I love the fact that it has a tremendous joke in the title. Right. I'll talk a little bit about my absolute favorite mass mutation action. Going back to Logos, it's funny, I never think of myself as a Logos person, but I picked a bunch of Logos cards for the purpose <laughs> of this conversation, I think, because uh, I like the way that they play in specific circumstances. Let's talk a little bit about Lithologica, also a common card. Pip of Amber, action. Discard cards from the top of your deck until you discard a Logos card or run out of cards. If you discard a Logos card this way, put it into your hand. So basically, what you get out of this is pretty tremendous. It's a big cycle through your deck. Um, in most cases, you're probably not going to get a Logos card on your very first one. So it could be two, three, but I've even gone up to like five, six, and ten cards before I hit my next uh, Logos card sometimes while going through draw. And uh, getting to then put that card into your hand and have the option to play it as opposed to like a wild wormhole scenario where like you don't have the choice of whether or not a card's going to play it gives you more like basically more options. Um, so essentially, it's just a fantastic way to enhance your logos turns. Playing this lets you do something that's advantageous, which is cycle your deck. It gets you a pip of amber and gives you the option to play another Logos card that you didn't even have access to at the beginning of your turn. That's like wins all the way around. Of course, you're always in danger of discarding something that you might have used in a future turn, but ultimately you can't make decisions based on that unless you know for a fact that it's like in the next three or four cards that you have sitting in your deck because you always have to make a decision based on the idea that 
you know, it isn't what uh, is immediately at the top. That's kind of the way that I think about it. Uh, I really dig this one a lot. And the fact that it's common means that it can appear multiple times, which really does make some of those mass mutation decks cycle insanely fast. It is basically the epitome of logo speed. And having having one of those in your deck with, let's say, like an Alter Gravitron and an, and an It's Coming, you're basically guaranteed to get your gigantic creature out. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This has been a fun conversation. I look forward to doing this again, where we each pick our favorite creature, our favorite artifact, our favorite upgrade, and our favorite action, but choosing from a different set. And with sets coming out, that means that we'll be able to play this game theoretically in perpetuity. I really look forward to it. We cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. Help Help from Future Self. Self. Sydney, I understand you have a Help from Future Self for us this week. I sure do. And uh, this one comes courtesy of my my little one. Um, I've been playing a lot more in person recently with my husband at home because we're practicing for Keyforge Live. And... We, we have in the past, at least recently, left out some of our games on the table. So if we, we finish a game, but we want to do another matchup, or even if we're interrupted mid-game and, and know whose turn it is to return to the game, we've, we've recently come to the conclusion that we can no longer do that because <laughs> with a uh, sprouting two-year-old walking around, um, cats aside, thankfully our cats aren't table cats, but um, our... our my son randomly picked a card off the table and it has now been uncrumpled and my heart is is a little less broken than it was immediately when it happened. But um, just a, a note to all, as you play games in person, remember your little ones and your cats running around when you leave things on the table. Rick, have you ever had a cat-related Keyforge disaster? Thank God, No. <laughs> But if I know, if I even see a glimmer in my cat's eye, I'm like, don't even think about it. (laughs) This is the same reason why I only ever use like a water bottle with a lid. You know, it makes me nervous when people have like a giant coffee with the Starbucks lid because those can pop off so easy. You know, it's always the things that like that that are going to make you have a real bad day. So always being conscious of that and the table is is always important. You can find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram and on The Crucible as Scuzzy Gruen. All one word, all scuzzy all the time. Rick, (laughs) where can they find you? What do you got going on? I'm on Twitter at the Wheeling Keyforger and on the on TCO as Richter78. Um in on Discord I will post when I get the final variation, but I have got a buddy of mine, Cloggin, shouts to Cloggin, out uh he had a picture done for me of what I like to call is time traveler in a wheelchair so that is going to be and it actually is on discord already my new uh avatar and i'm probably going to put it up on tco as well so come check that out on discord it is the health of help from future self discord all right sydney where can they find you and what's going on with keyforge live 
Yes, yes. So I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord. And as you hear this, Keyforge Live will start a week and a day from when this drops. So I'll be getting into Milwaukee, Wisconsin a week from today. And we will have three days, three full days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Keyforge events going on. And so far we are currently at 68 people. So if two more people deem us worthy enough to attend, we will be larger than the smallest vault tour. So come on out, enjoy the company, play Keyforge in person again. And my two-year-old will be there, but pretty far away from all of the cards. So he won't, he won't be stealing <laughs> any cards from tables. That's very reassuring, Sydney. Um, <laughs> out of curiosity, how many people was the smallest? 69. So at Collinsville, uh, I think Collinsville, is that, it's on the, the St. Louis, um, Illinois border. So I don't actually know if it's in Missouri or Illinois, but it was uh, just two hours south of actually where I am right now and um, had 69 people. Nice. All right. We will be back at you again next week to talk about more Keyforge, the game, the culture, and our love for it. Until then, stay forging.